so much for being here. What do you do when you have failures in life? You know, when you just feel like you failed and, uh, and how, do you, how do you face your future? Everybody's failed at something. Can I get a witness? Uh, I remember how failure led to faith in my life when I was a, a newspaper deliverer for the Dallas Times Herald back when they had a Christian newspaper, uh, Dallas Times Herald. And uh, we had these rubber bands we would stretch and see how far we could stretch them before they would pop. How many of you have ever done that? Now, I've done that, and it hurts. Now, you don't ever want to do it this way, uh, but, because it, because, but the point is, you can stretch a rubber band so far that it's going to pop. Now, that's failure, but failure leads to faith when you realize, I'm not going to do that anymore because I know what's going to happen. That's my faith. I believe this. How many believe this, that you can stretch a rubber band too far to where it's going to mess up and explode and hurt you? How many believe that? That's faith. You don't have to do it. You just believe it. So believe by faith that happens. When failure leads to faith... I read an interesting article by a girl, a lady named Vanetha Reisner, and she had an article titled, Weakness and Failure Will Build Your Faith. I don't like that subject. Then we can say the title again. Weakness and Failure Will Build Your Faith. She writes in the article a letter to my 30-year-old 30, 30 self. And here's what she said to her 30-year-old. She's past 30 now. She's looking back. Here's what she would tell her 30-year-old self. Here it is. Life can turn upside down quickly. I mean, everything may be going smooth, and all of a sudden there's a norther coming in. Or there's a storm coming by. There's a hurricane. She writes, I wish I had known that trusting God would never be a mistake, that he would use every ounce of my pain for my good and his glory. I wish I had known that life in Christ would continue to get better because... Jesus always saves the best for last. Listen, we're not destined to discouragement. We're not destined to death. We're destined for glory in Christ Jesus. That's the future of a believer. Failure leads to faith. Corrie Boom said this, Never be afraid of trust, of, to trust an unknown future to an unknown God. Let me say that again. Never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. We know God knows us. We know God. I listened to a radio program some time ago and a medical speaker uh, said these words, no matter how well you eat, exercise, and take vitamins, some people are genetically destined to have health issues. You know what I said after that? What's the use? I'm eating more ding-dongs, folks. I mean, just what's the use, you know? Uh, failure's inevitable. We must find a path beyond that. We must find faith that's greater than our failures. Is there life after failure? All week long I've been singing several songs related to this message. Uh, I sang the song over and over again, although I just sing privately. I'm going to try to sing one song publicly later on in this sermon, so get ready for it if you want to get some Kleenex to stop your ears. Uh, but you remember the song, I don't know about tomorrow. I just live for day to day. I don't, know, I don't borrow from the sunshine, for its skies may turn to gray. I don't worry about the future, for I know what Jesus said. And today I walk beside him, for he knows what lies ahead. Many things about tomorrow I don't seem to understand. But I know, and you know, who holds tomorrow. And you know, and I know, that Jesus is going to hold our hands. That's the future. No matter how your failures are, Jesus is never going to let go of one of his children. 
I want you to see what the Bible says in this wonderful text. If you have it, Acts chapter 16. And I'm not going to ask you to stand, but I want to ask you to follow along, look on the screen or follow along in your Bibles or on your phone and uh, listen to what the Bible says. This is a story of midnight deliverance. I wrote in my notes, failure is not final. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the prisoners were listening to them. Underline that. And suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the jail were shaken. Sometimes God has to shake up places to set people free. Can I get a witness there? Sometimes he has to shake up families to set the families free. And just one more note. Sometimes he has to shake up a church to set that church free. So God shook the prison. And immediately all the doors were open. Wow. And everyone, underline that, everyone's chains came loose. Listen, I'm looking forward to the day that when we get to heaven and all those chains that seem to be around us and weighing on us, God's going to say, no chains up here. You're going to be free. And they were all free. And so the Bible says in verse 27, when the jailer woke up because he had been sleeping either by a dream or by necessity by God, when he woke up and saw the doors of the prison standing open, <laughs> he drew a sword and was going to kill himself, fall on the sword, commit suicide, since he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul called out in a loud voice, Sir, don't harm yourself. Your prisoners are still here. What a testimony. And the jailer called for lights and rushed in and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. And he escorted them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved like you were just saved by an almighty God? What must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you'll be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word to, of the Lord to him along with everyone in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their wounds. Right away, he and his family were baptized. Underline that, right away, he and his family were baptized. And he brought them to his house set a meal before them and, and, and rejoiced because he had come to believe in God with his entire household. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, bless this text to our heart and our life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I want to begin by saying to you that failure leads to faith when we focus on praise. There's an important part of praise. How many know that the greatest book of the Bible is Psalms, songs? But the Bible says at midnight... Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. They weren't singing out of a hymn book, folks. They didn't have them back then. And I don't think that necessarily because you have a hymn nook makes you better. The bottom line, but what you do need, you either a hymn, nook, hymn book or, hymn, or a chorus to sing. Everybody needs a song to sing. If you can't sing to Jesus, there's something wrong with your heart. If you can't sit back and say, I'm going to praise God, then there's something wrong with your spiritual soul. Hey, they had a song to sing, and they had a song to sing in prison. It might seem to you, and it might seem to me, that God had abandoned them. And, and don't raise your hand, but all of us can say, there's been a time in my life when we feel the, felt abandoned by God. Surely they might have, must have felt like that. But in the middle of the night, that's another song, in the middle of the night. In the middle of the night, they found a song. Warren Wiersbe, the great preacher from Moody Church, I heard him several times, loved to hear him preach. He wrote a book called Song of the Night. It's based on Psalm 42, verse 8. Listen to what it says. The Lord will send his faithful love by day, and his song will be, will be with me in the night. How many have ever been there in your life where you've been worried about something, and all of a sudden the song came to you in the middle of the night? That was God's gift for you. 
God's gift. Here Paul and Silas were in prison for doing God's will. They could have complained and said, God, this isn't fair. This isn't right. Where are you? But instead of complaining to God, they simply raised their hands and lifted their voices and prayed and sang to an almighty God that could set them free because only God could rescue them from where they were. Notice where they prayed in prison. Not in a Bible study class. Listen, we got to get the worship out of this place, folks. We got to sing on the streets. Uh, we got, you know, I was going down the street the other day and, and I'm listening to my music on KCBI and a guy comes up with one of these songs, these, these cars that, that the windows are bulging. Going boom, 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 boom. There's one that drives by here every now and then. And so I tried to crank it, try to compete with him. I couldn't compete. I'm going to get some big speakers. I'm going to get some big speakers and I'm going to put some Christian song on there, Amazing Grace by Chris some Tomlin or something. And next time one of those dudes pulls up, I'm rolling down the windows and I'm going to slam them shut. <laughs> Where they prayed. And we should be singing going down the road. We should be singing in our homes. We should have a song to sing when you find yourself in emotional pain. You should find yourself a song to sing when you find yourself in spiritual prison. There's a song I sing sometimes myself. I'm I'm a children's minister by trade and preacher by accident. Uh, But... uh, but I used to sing this song. I am so glad that my Father in heaven tells of his love in a book he's given. Wonderful things in the Bible I read, but this is the dearest that Jesus loves me. Do you remember what we told the children? When you finished that, you did the chorus and you clapped your hands. I am so glad that Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me. Oh, Jesus loves me. I am so glad that Jesus loves me. Jesus loves even me. Listen, I want to challenge you. Next time you go through a hard time, have a song to sing. Sing your way past that. Notice, that's not that's where they prayed, but notice when they prayed. In the night. In the night. God is, listen to this, God is the God of the night. Just because the sun goes down doesn't mean the sun goes to sleep. The sun's still shining somewhere. And just because it's dark doesn't mean the light of God can't shine in your soul and in your heart. God shined for them in the middle of the night burdened and painful they were there and but they didn't know how to complain so they didn't complain they praised and i want to say to you all of us know about praising god at night how many of you know this that burdens and pain seem to balloon in the middle of the night but instead of feeling far feeling sorry for themselves they sang they praised the bible says men love darkness rather than light because they're deeds of evil and i would say to you we need to take more light into the darkness notice not only when and where they praised. Notice who they praised. They sang to God. Hey, folks, we need to get this right. God is the object of this service today. God, are you hearing us? Did you hear us sing? Did you hear us read your Bible? Do you hear me talking about trying to encourage all of us to turn our hearts toward home, turn our hearts toward heaven? Do you hear this? And God does hear it. Yes, he does. They sang to God. The primary audience was God, but the prisoners also heard the music. I want to say that again. The primary audience of our worship is to God, but sometimes people in prison get to hear it. Sing to the Lord, and the whole world will notice. Praise Him. Tell of His wonderfulness. God is a God that never left Paul and Silas in prison. 
He was with them. Was God in prison? No. But he's with the prisoners. He is with us. And let's say this. Let's move past our failures by focusing on praise. God is greater than our pain. God is greater than our questions. God is greater than our difficulties. Notice they praised and sang and before they were released. And they weren't, they weren't released and then praised and sang. See, we get this right. We say, God, I'll worship you if you'll bless my giving. We say, God, I'll tithe if you'll bless me and then I'll tithe. No, God says, why don't you tithe and watch me bless me. I'm just another sermon, folks. We say, we'll come to church when we get our life all figured out. And when you make my life right, then I'll go to church. God says, why don't you go to church and then I'll figure your life out for you. See, we do it in reverse. They sang, they prayed before they were ever released. But, but I got to say, don't you think they remember what they sang when they were in prison? Psalm 30, verse 4 says, sing to the Lord, you faithful ones, and praise his holy name. The Bible says this, weeping may endure for a night, but there's joy in the morning. Some of you might remember this uh, uh, show. How many remember Johnny Carson, Tonight Show? Uh, it's different kind of programming back then, but uh, Johnny Carson uh, was there, and he had the a, a famous uh, winner of the World Series, uh, L.A. Dodgers pitcher, Oral Hershiser, on his program one night. And on, on the program... Uh, he says to Earl, he says, do you get nervous out there being a pitcher in the World Series? And Earl says, yeah, I get nervous. He says, what do you do when you get nervous? He says, this is what I do. And Earl Hershiser closed his eyes on that national TV program, turned his head toward heaven, and he sang the doxology. In fact, one article says he sang, he warbled it out. I think he wobbled it out. I saw it. His vo voice was quivering like this. It was awful. When he finished, you know what Johnny Carson said? That was sweet. That was more than sweet, folks. That was special. I want you to sing with me. Here, let's sing this together. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above, ye heavenly hosts. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. My friends, focusing on that will set you free from your failures. Secondly, failure leads to faith when we find protection. Verse 28. The guy ready to kill himself, fall on his sword, which was customary for a soldier back then to fall on the sword or for someone to commit suicide. It was a popular way of committing suicide. You didn't hurt yourself, slice anything. You simply put your sword in the middle of your body and you fell on it and it did you in. So he's ready to fall on his sword and he should have, should have felt discouraged and he was discouraged and he felt like the, with the prison doors open and the chains fell, falling off of the prisoners, he said, I'm in a place of suicide. Let me just stop and just say a little prayer in just a minute. I read the most recent statistic that I could find that 47,000 people last year committed suicide. And, and I, I just want to say a little prayer. Right now, just bow your heads. Father in heaven, there are many things that drive people to suicide. Help them to see that that's not the answer. And the people that we don't even know in our community, in our world, in, our, in, our, in America, and, and all the people who may be considering this around, this is our Father's world. We pray for them 
that they would not do it. Just like Paul said, don't do yourself any harm. So may your grace find them. May our prayers reach them. And though they don't know us, may we be preventing somebody from falling on their proverbial sword today because we've asked you to bless them and reach them. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. What if we get to heaven and we find that that prayer worked for thousands of people? We just prayed. What a twist. The prisoner, Paul, was now in a place that he could protect the prison guard. <laughs> By the way, I want you to know this. Sometimes I think when you think of people who are near suicide, what they need is somebody to say a positive word to them, a caring word, a supportive word. When I was in high school, a girl asked me to take a walk with her across the quadrangle. She wanted to talk to me. She had heard I decided to go into ministry. She told me about all her problems, about her boyfriend, and um, uh, how he was breaking up with her and how broken she was over it. And I, I just kind of didn't take it that seriously. Sure, you're not thinking of that. So I didn't really pray with her. I, didn't, I was really new in the ministry. didn't know what I should have said. I should have said, can, he, can we go out for some Dr. Pepper or something? Can I talk to you more? I should have tried to be with her because that night she went in her garage and started her car with the windows down. She took her life. I wish a hundred times a hundred I would have cared deeper that I said more that I'd go by and check on her. I want to say this to you. Anytime somebody says they're going to do themselves harm, you take it seriously. Paul says, I'm here. Be there for them. Be there for them. Notice the guard's protection. He's protected from his own failures. You've not failed. He's protected from his own frustrations. You have not. We're still here. He was protected from his own fear by another man's voice of encouragement. Paul, Paul protected this man because he said, I want you to know, don't worry. You've not made a mistake. I mean, preachers make many visits. I've made all kinds of visits with children and adults, people near death, people after they've died, I visit with families. The preacher was knocking doors one time and he just, we used to do this, we don't do enough of this. He knocked on one door and nobody answered the door and he looked around the backyard. Preachers used to not take no. He looked around the backyard to see if anybody's praying out there or having a barbecue. He's going to see that family. He looks in the backyard and there's a little boy in the backyard. And the little boy walks up the fence. He was all muddy and dirty. He said, uh, he said son, is this your home? He said, yes, sir. He said, uh, well, it's about to start raining. Don't you think you should go inside? He said, no, I can't go inside. Said, Why can't you go inside, son? He said, because my mom sent me out here in clean clothes. And now look at me. And I'm afraid to go home. And the preacher said, the little boy said, son, is this your home? He said, yes, take my hand. Let me take you home. Together, the preacher and the dirty boy found the way home. Somebody out there needs you to hold their hand and take them back to God, to take them back to their home. The thief on the cross He's on the cross. One of them, one mocked him. If you're the son of God, do something, you know. The other said, 
Remember me when you come in the kingdom of God. Can you imagine dying on a cross and Jesus dying next to you? And you know, you've heard the stories about Jesus, and you say, Jesus, can you help me out here? And though Jesus could not reach his hand in a spiritual way, Jesus reached his hand out, and he says, follow me. I can get you home. I can get you home. Hey, would somebody address that lady that's talking in the foyer there? Would somebody, Steve, somebody back there, would y'all get somebody in the foyer back there? There's somebody in the foyer talking. Or some, I'm hearing somebody's radio, something's weird is happening. Do you have a hearing aid that's going off or something? Because there's something weird noise going here. I'm glad this is live Facebook TV, so. <laughs> this is real time, folks. This is what church is. Yeah. Um, failure. Jesus said, take my hand. I'll lead you home. And the last thing we'll see, failure leads to faith when we find a promise. Here's what they said. Believe in the Lord Jesus and you'll be saved. Belief saves us from despair. Belief saves us from depression. There was a promise that Paul shared that only God could provide. The, the, the man who was the jailer, and I'll say something, we need more of this, and may say this so you can get this. Everybody watch me. He was radically saved. Say that with me. Radically saved. That means he was all in. He wasn't a little bit saved. He was completely saved. We need to preach the gospel that tells people, you give all to Jesus who gave all to you. And we have a generation of people that says, I'm going to give less for Jesus who gave everything for me. I'm tired of hearing people say, hearing people say they don't have enough time to go to church. They don't have enough money to time. Let's give our best. We've got to raise a new generation that changes the view of things. Jesus gave his best. How can we do any less than the best for him? Jesus radically saved this man. He was all in. He was humble. Look, look at his heart. He had the promise. For, look at his home. His home found the promise of salvation. And notice the help that he provided for them. And look at how it happened to him. This man who was the one who maybe participated, oversaw, or maybe he hurt Paul and their wounds. Maybe they were beaten. Maybe he had part of it. But this humble man gave his heart to Christ. And then he said, let me help you out. Let me wash your wounds. Let me stop and say this. Could it be possible that somebody that you've hurt, you need to wash their wounds? Could it be possible that somebody that you know that are completely out of fellowship with the church, out of fellowship with people that are believers, maybe you need to have them over for a meal. He fed them a meal. Notice the healing of the guard. He was saved and baptized. Let me ask you this. Have you been healed from your sins? Failure led him to a promise of faith. And now he could say, hey folks, just like you've been saved by Jesus, I have too. Have you been saved? He was standing ready to be judged for his failure until he met the Savior. Now I want to stop and say this. Everybody in this room, you are going to be judged one day. And you're going to be judged because of your failure. Because here's what I know about everybody in this room. You're a sinner. And most of us are dirty, rotten, filthy sinners. We know how to do bad stuff. Can I get a witness? We know how to think bad stuff. We're sinners. The Bible says this in Romans chapter 6, verse 23. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life. So all of us are headed for judgment. This man was headed for judgment, but a a confident, 
convicting words set him free by faith. I listened to Dr. Robert Jeffers this week. Uh, uh, don't go to that church. There's nothing there for you. <laughs> but he has some good preaching. Uh, he was telling a story about judgment this week, and he said there were some men back in cowboy days, uh, kind of like we think about brush fires when we should pray for all the people in Australia. Uh, they were in a brush fire, and they had all their wagons wound up, you know, and, and, and ready to go. And the, the fire was headed toward them. It says, let's get, let's get away from the fire. And one of the leaders said, it's moving too fast. There's no way to escape the fire. And so another man said, let's stand right here. And let's set a fire around our camp and burn everything around our camp. And everybody said, that's crazy. Why would we set a fire when a fire is coming toward us? He said, because the fire that's coming cannot burn what's already been burned. Judgment is coming to every one of us. And Jesus took that judgment for me. If you are saved, you will never, never pay for one of your sins. The fire of judgment has already burned for you when Jesus hung on the cross and we say, praise God from whom all blessings flow. Life's ultimate promise is found in this text. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Let me ask you this. I was saved once when I was 17 years old. Never needed to be saved for salvation again. But I need to be saved almost every week by God. Can you imagine what we see when we get to heaven? How the hand of Almighty God saved us from situations, from stuff. Sue and I taking a trip just last week. And uh, sometimes I'm bad about not using the blinker. And, and I was about to make a quick turn to make an exit. And by the way, that's always a mistake to make a quick turn. Always use your blinker. Those sudden turns get in trouble. And I was about to turn it really quick to make an exit, and this white Honda comes 80 miles an hour by me. Two seconds later, we'd had a horrible collision. Somebody had been hurt seriously, if not killed. And I thought, you know what I thought? I thought, how lucky. No! Thank you, God, for putting just a gap between me and disaster. Now that I've had that happen, guess what Jerry Hayes does? I look twice, I blink and look twice, then I slowly go. <laughs> slowly turn. I want to tell you something, folks. Failure can teach you some great lessons. Find your way past failure to faith in Almighty God. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, bless us as we share this message. I pray that each of us will be able to sing to you those great songs of faith. I pray that everybody would come to the altar and just pray for our church, pray for our world. Help us to see that you have faith left for Valwood Park. You have faith left for us. Help us to see that we can move forward. Help us to see... If we've never done what this prisoner, prison guard did, if we've never asked the Lord to be a Savior, we should be a Savior. Help us to see that if we've never followed the Lord in baptism, we should do what He did. He was baptized quickly. Don't put off baptism. 
If you need to be baptism, take a stand for God. He hung on the cross for you. You stand for Him. I invite people to come to the altar and pray. Just pray for our church. Pray for our world. Pray for those hurting. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Let's all stand together. You unravel me.